Actually, turn over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Man. I'm so glad that somebody wrote that song. I know Chris is too. It's his favorite song, but... But in John 15, last week we talked about abiding in the vine. I think I even said that we are the vine. We're not. We're the branches. You know how you, you hear something in your mind, but you say something different? Anybody ever done that before? So, yeah, I did that. So I said, we are the vine. No, we're the branches. Jesus is the vine. But we're abiding in the vine. My whole point is that we are connected to him. And so when we are connected to him, guess what? He's the life source that flows through us. So, but in, in John chapter 15, we found out this, that when we abide in the vine, that there is nothing that you and I can do outside of him. There's nothing that you and I can do outside of him and his presence. He said, you can only do things beyond your ability in me. And so what it does is it makes us codependent on him. We are absolutely dependent upon him. So interesting thing, Jesus calls us sheep. Do you remember in scripture where he called us sheep? In John chapter 10, he said, I'm the good shepherd. So what does that make us? That makes us sheep. How many of you think that's a compliment? Sheep. My uncle is a sheep farmer. Let me tell you a couple things about sheep. I shared this on Wednesday night, but this is worth bringing this morning to you guys. Listen to, to, these are characteristics of sheep. Are you ready for this? This is Jesus calling you a sheep. Timid, fearful, easily panicked, dumb, stupid, gullible. How's that? Very vulnerable to fear, frustrated, pests. Uh, I'm sorry, very vulnerable to fear, frustration, pests, and hunger. Easily influenced by a leader. How about that one? Easily influenced by a leader. Um, Stampede prone, vulnerable to mob psychology. Little to no means of self-defense, can only run, easily killed by the enemy. The shepherd is the most effective calming influence in the sheep's life. Sheep are also jealous, competitive, competitive for dominance. Uh, Constantly need fresh water, fresh pasture, have very little discernment in choosing food or water. Best water sources early morning dew. Boy, that's a whole different message right there. But another one, easily cast. What does that mean? They're flipped over on their back. When a sheep is flipped over on its back, it's going gonna, it's gonna to starve to death unless the shepherd comes and flips it over. Do you know what makes it easy, easily prone to being cast? It's all the heavy, what does sheep have? Wool, thank you. It's all that heavy wool. They can easily be cast, yeah. You ever forget a word? And, but see, that's why I have you, as you can help me. And I appreciate that. Frequently looking for easy places to rest. Don't like to be sheared or clean. How many of you like to be pruned, like to be cleaned? <laughs> Too much wool can make them easily cast, right? Creatures of habit. How's this sound? Sound like somebody you know? Creatures of habit. Get into ruts. Need the most care of all livestock. <laughs> 
Cows, you can leave them out there for a little while. Check on them once in a while. Sheep need constant care. How's this? Need to be on the move. Need predetermined plan, a pattern for grazing. Totally dependent upon the shepherd. Totally dependent. Are you? Are you absolutely dependent on the shepherd? As a Christian. Because really, what can you and I do in and of ourselves? If somebody comes to you and they say, Phil, I need you to pray for me. I've got this going on in my body. Would you pray for me? I'll tell you right now, at that very moment, they don't need Phil. They need Jesus in Phil, right? Somebody called me the other day and they said, they said, Phil, do you prefer to be called pastor? I say, I don't have a preference. I'm not going to call you out if you don't call me pastor, okay? I said, but let me, let me pose a question to you that somebody posed to me. Whose anointing would you rather have? Do you just want Phil or do you want pastor? Because there's an anointing attached to I'm not trying to get everybody to call me pastor. Don't hear, don't hear this wrong. But I'm saying, man, we, we need the anointing in people. We don't just need people, right? Especially when you need prayer for something, amen? Okay, <clears throat> all right. So we are totally dependent upon him. So that puts us in the position as sheep. Our position is absolute dependency, right? Okay, did you find Romans chapter seven? Uh, oh, good, good. So <laughs> I'm being called out. If we have anything, <laughs> if we have everything, and we are using nothing, there's a problem. If we have everything and we're using nothing, there's a problem. And God wants to flow through our lives. Amen? Romans chapter 7, look at verse 24. This is an encouraging verse. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, that's a good start. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, this is, uh, this is Paul writing Romans chapter 7, and he wrote all of the book of Romans. And so, we took, you, we took uh, our midweeks team through identity, Romans chapter 5, all the way through Romans chapter 8. So, here we are in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. This is Paul saying this, and many Christians, this is where they are, they struggle with believing that they can live the way God intended for them to live as a new creation, in righteousness, in purity, and holiness. How many of you would think that that's true? Most people think that that's very difficult to live in that. You know, got an honest person in the back raising their hand. So, when we get born again, here's what we do. We go, oh, I'm born again now. Now I have to live differently. And it's the wrong mentality. Why? Because we're doing it in our own will, in our own strength. And what happens? You do good for a while until you make a mistake. And then you think, oh, oh, man, I can't believe I made that mistake. Right? And then condemnations that guilt, shame, condemnation tries to come. The enemy has done a superb job working this and trying to make people live in guilt, condemnation, and shame. Why? Because it's impossible for man to live the way that God ordained without the Holy Spirit. 
Let me, let, me, let me say it differently. There's a couple of verses. One is in Matthew chapter 19. It says this. It says, God, all things are possible with him. All things are possible with God. Then over in Mark chapter 9, it says, all things are possible to him who believes. So you got two sides of the same coin, right? You've got all things are possible with God on this side, but on this side, you say, all, it says all things are possible to him who believes. So what do I need to do? My job is one job. It's to believe. It's to believe him above any, any other voice that I hear. It's to feed on him so that he's the one that I believe more. I heard a testimony. We were at a conference this past week, and I heard this testimony. Somebody was talking about Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth, one time, uh, how many of you remember Lester Summerall? A guy by the name of Lester Summerall, yeah. He came, uh, he, he was uh, Smith Wigglesworth, one of his protégés. And I remember he used to come and speak at Victory all the time and was really a mentor to Pastor Billy Joe. I remember when I was growing up there, and so we got to hear him often. But I remember he showed up one day at Smith Wigglesworth's house, and, and he was an English guy, so he had the hat on and the, you know, the, the, the umbrella on the, on the wrist and everything, and walked in, and he had a newspaper in his, under his arm. And as he's getting ready to walk in the house, Smith doesn't say hi or hello or how are you or anything. He just says, what's that under your arm? He said, well, it's a newspaper. He said, that's not coming in here. You're not letting those lies in here. Boy, that, was a, that would do us some good, wouldn't it? Not to let the newspaper be the thing that comes into our life and influences us and speaks to us. So, so but many Christians, they, they wonder, hey, how can I live the way God intended for me to live? And they think it looks impossible, but yet with God, all things are possible. Why? Because we have a tendency to base what we believe on our experience and our own ability, our own capacity to have self-control and willpower, which is the study of a fallen man, instead of believing and receiving the Holy Spirit, who's our helper, that can help us live the way that we need to and the way that we should. What do you think about that? Well, so... Well, Phil, give me some examples of that. Okay, well, let's look at Peter's life. I want to draw some contrast today in Peter's life. Okay, how many of you remember Peter, the disciple? So, Peter has, thank you, and then one person. So, <laughs> I'm teasing. I know all of you remember Peter. But Peter, so Peter has his old nature, right? We've got first Peter, but then we've got the new nature of Peter, second Peter, right? Not to be confused with the books. That's not confusing enough. You got Peter B.C., Peter A.D., right? Okay. All right. So, let's think about Peter. Peter, extreme personality. I mean, he is super extreme. Remember Jesus? Jesus brings the dish, and he has a loincloth on, and he's got his towel, and he's going to wash his feet, and he leans down to wash his feet, and he says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You're never going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says, okay, well, then you're going to have no part in me. You'll no longer be able to be my disciple. Well, Peter, don't only wash my feet, Lord. Wash my hair, wash my hands. He's just massive extreme dude, right? Okay. All right. So, so first Peter. Here's first Peter. So, what does he do? Man, he's got some wins under his belt. 
Jesus says, who am I? Who do you guys say that I am? And Peter, man, pulls it out of heaven and says, you are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. And man, Jesus goes, wow, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Catch that. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my spirit revealed that to you. Then what happens? Jesus begins to talk about his death and what's getting ready to happen. And Peter, now he's emboldened because he's got a success under his belt. He pulls Jesus aside and he says, no, heaven forbid that that happened to you. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Whoa. What happened? Peter was doing so good. How many of us feel that way? You get saved, man. You start living or you get turned on, fired up for God. Now, God, I'm going to, it's like starting a new diet or better yet, I'm going on a fast. This is like me the other day. Yeah. I said, I'm, man, I'm going to fast today. And then I get invited out to dinner. I said, God, why does that always have to happen? He'd take me out to dinner. Okay. So Peter Peter, okay, so he says, get behind me, Satan. What about walking on the water? Here's Peter. Man, this dude's amazing. He's, everybody else is afraid of Jesus. They see him out there, and Jesus calls out to him. And he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. What does Peter do? Man, he steps out of the boat. He is walking on water. <gasps> that must have been cool. And he is walking toward Jesus, and he's like, oh, this, is, this has got to be so cool, you know? But then what happened? Took his eyes off the Lord. What does he do? He begins to sink, because he's looking at the storm, looking at the waves, looking at the conditions around him. He begins to sink. Jesus takes him by the hand, and he lifts him up. But what, is, what does Jesus do? He corrects him, right? He pulls out that ruler and whoosh, smacks the knuckles like I hear about the old teachers used to do many years before me. <laughs> we, got, we, we did get spankings though. And let me tell you, Mr. Booth, my principal, he was a bodybuilder. He I literally had biceps the size of my waist. And he goes, Phil, I got, I got swats by him one time. That was it. <laughs> Never going back. Anyway, so what, no, Jesus doesn't correct him. He doesn't spank Peter. He doesn't He's not mean to him. What does he say? He says, Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Because Jesus wants to lift him up, pull him up, right? So here's Peter. Peter sinks. What else did he do? He denies Jesus. He tell, he's the very one that said, Lord, I, I don't care if everybody else falls away. I will not deny you. And what's the very thing that he does? He denies him. Denies Jesus. Now, let's contrast that with 2 Peter. We just looked at unrenewed Peter, and now we're going to look at renewed Peter. Take a look at this over in Acts chapter 2. It says that Peter preached the gospel with boldness. They have just been filled with the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit happens in Acts chapter 2. You look at verse 1. Jesus said, he breathed on them, Jesus breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. All the, all the disciples were born again 
at that moment because the Holy Spirit comes in you to live on the inside of you. Now, you don't have a half Holy Spirit. You don't have a junior Holy Spirit. If you're a kid in here, you don't have, you know, most of the Holy Spirit. You have all of the Holy Spirit on the inside, all of the person. But how many of you know, I, can, I have, I, I married my wife, so I have all of my wife. We're married. But she can give more. I get so much more than I anticipated just by, you know what I mean? The Holy Spirit, he can give you more, even though you have him. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm getting some head nods. No? Was that a no? Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah, okay. So, the Holy Spirit can give us more, right? So, so, here Peter is on the day of Pentecost, and they're all gathered in that upper room because Jesus said to go to Jerusalem and wait there until you receive the gift that I am sending, the comforter, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, what does the Holy Spirit do? He rests upon them, man. He's now, he's now not just in them. He comes, and they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit says it looked like, it was like tongues of fire that set upon them. And each of them began to pray in tongues. And all these people understand them from all these different languages, and they're speaking the oracles of God. Right? But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you will receive power. Now, tongues is a, is a big sign that you're, fit, that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. But if you just settle for the tongue, I heard one minister say, why would you settle for the tongue when you can have the whole shoe? You can have the whole thing. You know, there is so, so much more than just tongues. Tongues are great. I pray in tongues. I'll tell you that one of the number one reasons that I love tongues, two reasons, and there's more even than that, but, but these main two reasons are because I can pray for somebody the perfect will of God by praying in tongues over their situation. And many times I don't know what to pray. That's a blessing. I wouldn't know how to do that. I'd, my, I mean, how would I pray for him? Lord, help him. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I can pray in tongues. And the Bible says to pray that you can interpret. Pray that you will interpret. Why? So that you know what you prayed. That's big. But the second reason is because it builds you up in your inner being. In your inner person, you get built up when you pray in tongues, right? But what's the one of the key things that he said that you will receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? He said, you will receive power. Ho, ho, ho. Power. Oh. Now, back in Pentecostal days, we used to call them prayer lines. How many of you have ever been in a prayer line? I mean, where you walk through and you get hands laid on you, man, and the Spirit of God. Well, <clears throat> so now I, th I guess they're called fire tunnels. I, I kind of like the name, fire tunnel, you know? And so at the end of the conference, they said, hey, anybody that wants to walk through the fire, we're going to have a fire tunnel. Anybody that wants to walk through, we will pray, lay hands on you and pray for you. Well, again, what can people do? It's the Holy Spirit through them. And so I had, some, I had some specific things in my heart that I really felt like I wanted to receive from God. And so I'm walking through this fire tunnel and, and people are beginning to pray. I mean, and before when I got in the line, I started to shiver. I thought it was because of the air conditioning. 
Because, you know, by the way, we, we have been working diligently on the air in here. I know you guys are like bringing your hoodies and parkas and stuff. And so I'm, we're working with them because it's, it's a big deal to change. It's a big system. But anyway, so does it feel okay today? Better? Okay. All right. A few of you. <laughs> the rest of you borrowed coat or something. Anyway, and so, so at first I thought, well, I'm just shivering because of the air conditioning because it was cold. And so, but then I start walking. As we start getting closer and closer to the line, I mean, the line is going way out all the way down the hall because there's hundreds of people in this line. And so we're, we're just in that line. And suddenly, I mean, I'm just, I'm beginning to shiver. I'm going, God, what in the world is going on? You know, and by the time I get to the line, I mean, tears are just literally streaming down my cheeks. And I can't even see to go through the line because my eyes are so watered. I'm going, oh my word, what in the world? But I'm, anyway, and so I pressed through and thank God they had people to help push you through, you know, because I was like a pinball. I had no idea where I, I had no idea who was praying for me, you know. I mean, I don't remember anything. I do, however, remember Todd because, you know, how he wears those shirts that are, like the sun bright I mean they're crazy bright and stuff and that's the only because I could see color and then I, I smash on my head and and then I just kept going but when I got through the line I was going God I knew that my request had been granted from him not because of Todd not because of anybody else in the line but because he was there. Does that make sense? That that power comes. And when that power comes, let me ask you a question. Uh, Those who are the sons and daughters of God, they're led by the Spirit of God, right? So if you're being led by the Spirit of God, is it possible to go without sin being led by the Spirit of God for an hour? Okay. Is it possible to go two hours? Now, I don't know, I'm going to really branch out here. What about 12 hours? Is that possible? Is it possible for you to go a day, two days, a week? How about a month? There's a side of faith that is, for us, that's a, that's a place of helplessness, if I could say it that way. And again, this goes back to that absolute dependency. It doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to do things and that you don't know, you don't, I, I mean, it's so important that, that we don't live on our experience and our achievements, even though we've had them. Because your achievement didn't die for you on the cross. You're, you're, you know what I mean? Your experience didn't die for you on the cross. Jesus did. You know? And so it's so important that, that in faith that we place our full dependency on him. Okay? And what Holy Spirit tells us to do are the things that we do, right? So, so here's Peter. Let's go back to Peter. Sorry. So he preaches... 
after the day of Pentecost, he preaches this message, 3,000 people give their lives to the Lord. In Acts chapter 3, Peter tells the lame man to get up. You remember the man at the gate, beautiful? And he lifts him up and the man jumps up. This man that had sat at the gate all of his life jumps up and he starts leaping, running, praising God, right? As a result of that, Peter preaches another message. Now in the temple, now 5,000 people give their lives to the Lord. Now the Sadducees are mad and they're angry. And they pull Peter in, and they arrest him. And what does he do then? He preaches to the Sadducees. Now, Peter, who denied Jesus, wasn't even at the crucifixion, is boldly preaching to the Sadducees, the very people that killed Jesus. Is this making sense? And so he preaches, and it says that they recognized, and Peter says this, he says boldly, he says, do you think that we should obey you instead of God? And the Sadducees looked at him, and they recognized him as, wow, these guys have not even been to school, and yet they're preaching with this boldness, and they recognized him as someone who had been with Jesus. Oh, is this the same Peter? Wait a minute. Is this the same Peter as the Peter before? Because many people can identify with Peter before Jesus. Why? Because it's easy to identify with him. He's got a lot of failures. Made a lot of mistakes. But I don't hear many people identifying with this regenerated Peter, this Peter that has had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly he is living a whole different life. Thousands of people are coming to the Lord. I mean, at one point, they even, they even set people out just, just to see if maybe Peter's shadow would touch them as he went by, and they would be healed just by his shadow touching them. Is this the same Peter? Because what Peter did was he denied Jesus, but what Jesus told him to do was to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. Right? And that's what you and I, that's what God has called us to do, is to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And so now he has sent the Holy Spirit, but what I realized is that I needed was I needed an encounter with the Holy Spirit so his power would fill my life, this separate uh, encounter that happens outside of being born again, and it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and fire. Oh, oh, don't get scared. I was just, just emphasizing this. So, so Peter is a picture of what every believer can have from heaven. That's what he is. So let's go back and let's read this verse again uh, in Romans chapter 7 and verse 24. So, so see, you can, you can be a believer and still have a strong flesh. Did you know that? So, and that's, that's why many identify with pre-Peter, Peter, first Peter, instead of the second Peter that I talked about. So let's look at that verse again in Romans 7, verse 24. It says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body 
of death. So these are the word, these are the words of a man who has come to him to the end of himself. These are the words of a man who has realized I have done everything I know how to do to obey God and I just can't do it. I can't obey what he's asked me to do. I, I keep trying to, but this, this sinful man on the inside of me is taking me in another direction. So think about this. In Romans chapter 7, in verse 6 through 25, the name of the Holy Spirit and the name Jesus do not appear not even once. In those verses. Now think about this. So here's this man, he's struggling and wrestling, trying to fulfill the law of God. And the law of God, that, that word law is mentioned 20 times in those verses. So this chapter shows a believer trying to do his very best to obey. And there's little words in there like I, me, my. Those occur 40 times in those verses. Sounds self-centered, doesn't it? So after a person is born again, they try to do their best to fulfill God's law. And so a man is blessed when he can say, oh, wretched man that I am. Why is he blessed? When he can say that from his heart, because he is on his way to Romans chapter 8. Now, turn to Romans chapter 8, look at verse 2. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says this, for the law of the Spirit, of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. This is deliverance. How many of you are feeling this? So, so, can you keep a man captive who has, been, who has been set free? No. It's a person that doesn't realize that they've been set free. It's a person that doesn't realize the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them that is still held captive. Man, this scares the enemy the most. The enemy is like, he, he wants to keep us so bound over here. He wants Jesus to become an, access, an accessory to our life and not the main thing. Remember Dan Muller when he was here? And he, you know, and he talked about this guy that is in his prayer room and he's got his Bible and he's praying and, and Satan has a little demon over here and he's saying go over and tell that guy remind him of his past remind him of who he is and remember the de- he did the whole deal and the demon came over and the demon said hey you remember about your past you remember what you did how, how in the world could you think you're forgiven how in the world you know could you you're not you can't live this you can't obey the commandments of God you're never going to be able to do it and what does this person do they get oh man Maybe even close their Bible and go, oh, man, I don't know how in the world I'm going to do that. And he comes back and he goes, yeah, boss, I told him what, what you told me to tell him. 
Well, what about this? Here's a, here's a different scenario. What about the, he sends the demon over, the demon comes over and he says the exact same thing. He says, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to live the way holy and pure. Are you kidding me? Who in the world is living holy and pure? Only Jesus can live holy and pure, you know. But what about if this guy said, no, 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 wait, wait. My Bible says right here. (laughs) It says right here that for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So I can put to death the deeds of the body by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit on the inside of me. Man. Ah. So the Holy Spirit wants us to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. What did he say? He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know, if you take that word filled and you look it up, Here's what it means. It means a wind that is constantly filling a sail. And it's pulling you in the right direction. See, when the Holy Spirit, when we are continually being filled with Him, and He becomes not a part of our life, the the main focus of our life, it fills our sail and it takes us in the direction that we're supposed to go in. And what does it do? What, this, this is why Jesus said to pray, lead me not into How's he not going to do that? One guy said, well, Phil, that was before, you know, Jesus died on the cross and was, and was buried and rose from the grave. I said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's a little, he, God always speaks in terms of legacy. He gives you ammunition to use on the other side of the cross. This was, intent, this was a pattern for us to pray. Lord, th- I thank you that you don't lead me into, t- I'll, uh, I, I'll give you this example. I got a call from a guy. We used to have a guy in our church, not this church, another church that we were part of many years ago. And <clears throat> he was, uh, you know, anyway, he called me one night. He called me at three in the morning. Don't give people your cell number. I just, yeah. No, I'm teasing. He called me at three in the morning and I was just like, I, you know, I'm waking up from a stupor trying to even talk and I, and I answer the phone and he goes, he goes, Pastor Phil, Pastor Phil, he said, I got to talk to you. I was, a guy just attacked me with a knife and I'm just trying to wake up. What in the world? What do you mean? A guy just tried to, <laughs> what do you mean? I said, where are you? He said, well, I'm at the convenience store. I said, dude, it's three in the morning. What are you doing at the convenience store? I said, are you hurt? Are you okay? And he goes, no, I took it away from him. Oh, and he was all proud, you know, of himself. And I said, well, that's great, man. I said, listen, answer a question. Why are you at the convenience store at 3 a.m.? Because I would expect dudes with knives to be at the convenience store at 3 a.m. I mean, that's why I don't go, I, you know. And, well, I needed some cigarettes. I said, man, I said, so do you think the Holy Spirit was leading you to go to the convenience store at 3 a.m.? Well, no. No, I don't think he was. I said, do you think this whole thing could have been avoided if the Holy Spirit was leading you? Yeah, 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 I, th- I think so. I said, I mean, I'm glad you're okay. And I'm glad you knew how to defend yourself. I said, but how much better to just allow the Holy Spirit to fill your sail and take you in the direction that you're supposed to go in? 
Let me tell you, here's what happens when the Holy Spirit gets on the inside of you and you begin to make him the priority and you begin to seek God's word with with a heart of, God, I I want this to become me. I want this book to read me. I, I want it to not just be something that I do. I want it to be something that I live. Do you know what happens? Man, the Holy Spirit begins to check you on things. The Holy Spirit begins to lead you in a whole new way. And your desire is no longer for the things of the world. See, what a lot of people do is they still love the things of the world. See, this is why the children of Israel couldn't go up on the mountain with Moses. God didn't just want it to be Moses up on the mountain. He wanted it to be everybody. And they couldn't come. Why couldn't they come? Because they loved the things of the world. They weren't willing to turn loose of this so they could take hold of him. See, there has to be a turning away from and a turning unto. There has to be a letting go of this so that I can take hold of this. Have you ever had two cups of coffee and tried to open a door at the same time? Doesn't work good, does it? Unless it's the, unless it's the one with the button that you can push, you know. You have to let go. So this may be your day. This may be your day and your moment to let go of some things. Because let me ask you, which Peter are you identifying with? The one before? Holy Spirit? How about if we identify with the one after the Holy Spirit? The one where the Holy Spirit came in him and empowered him. And then suddenly now, people are getting saved. Things are transpiring in his life. He's not struggling to try and obey commandments because Jesus fulfilled the commandments. all, All he's doing is abiding in him. If I abide in him, I want to please him. I love my wife. I want to please my wife. And that equates to a healthy marriage. But there's another person that's more important that I want to please him even more. And that's my father. So would you bow your heads all around the room? In Romans 8, verse 13, it says... For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's only by the Spirit that we can do this. It's only by the Spirit that we can live the way that God desires for us to live, a life of purity, a life of holiness a righteous life. And if right now you're sitting in your seat and you're saying, Phil, I I haven't done that. I haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you have, but you haven't been walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You haven't encountered God the way that you need to and you want to. If that's you, would you raise your hand all around the room? I want to pray for you. All around the room, if that's you. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Father God. Everybody, let's just put our hands like this, if you don't mind, just for a moment. Just lift your hands just like this and just say, say this after me. Holy Spirit, let's say it good and strong here. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and fill every part of my life with your presence. I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for filling me completely. I receive it.